Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home. The Money Pit is presented by the Angie App. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Welcome to your solution for home improvement, home decor, home repair, home maintenance. If you've got a question about how to get something done around your house, you are in exactly the right place because that's what we do. And we've been doing this for over 20 years. So I guess some people are finding some benefit in what we have to say as we sort of yawn on about things all weekend long. If you've got something you'd like to get done, uh, reach out. Let us know. We'd love to help. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. But you can get your answer quicker if you post it to the Money Pit app by going to moneypit.com slash ask. Hey, coming up on today's program, how's that spring cleaning going? What? It's not? <laughs> it's probably most of us. But we thought we'd start to show off with five easy clutter buster tips, which I thought were pretty unique, pretty original, and definitely could help you out. And while it still might feel like winter outside, spring is going to come eventually, and that means all of that busy spring lawn and garden work is going to need to be done, whether you are ready or not. And now is the perfect time to get a head start on those projects. We're going to share what comes first. And with all the spring rain, we tend to get a lot of damaged wood, and that can really detract from your home's value. But to make the fix, you first got to know what caused it. For example, was it caused by rot or termites? What exactly is rot? And what other kinds of bugs can eat wood? Well, we're going to sort out all the differences coming up so you know how to make the fix. But first, do you guys need some help with a renovation, repair, or decor project? Well, we're here to help you create your best home ever and tackle your to-dos with confidence. So what are you working on? Give us a call. Let us know so we can help you out. Reach out to us by going to moneypit.com slash ask or post your question on the app or calling us at one 888 Money Pit. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Peter in Maryland, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? When we had first moved in, everything was cosmetically perfect. 
and now all of a sudden we've got cracks everywhere in our hardwood flooring and our crown molding. Hmm. Now, certainly we could live with a little cosmetic shifting, but it's so drastic, I'm wondering if there's a greater underlying problem here. So the cracks in the molding, where are you seeing those cracks? Corners, uh, is the top and the bottom of the molding separating from the wall? What are you seeing? All in the bottom of the molding. However, it could be anywhere. Corners, middle, anywhere. Okay, and and so you have cracks up at the crown molding, which is between the ceiling and the wall, but you also mentioned you had cracks at the floor. What are we seeing at the floor? Yeah, it's more drastic. On the first floor is all hardwood flooring. Right. And uh, like I said, it was seamless when we had moved in. Now over the past two months, I'd say every third board has a gap in it, and the gap may be very slight, but some are as large as, as an eighth of an inch now. Okay, so you've got some shrinkage in the floor, and you've got some gaps in the wall. I mean, the entire house could be shrinking. Um, what kind of heating system do you have, Peter? It's uh, it's electric heat. Okay, electric heat. Forced air, radi- uh, radiators, what do you have? Oh, it's forced air. It's a very dry heating system. Well, I will say this. Gaps around molding um, and gaps around floor, and, and, and gaps in the crown molding, especially like along the walls, that's generally not the kind of crack that indicates structural movement. When you see walls, that that looks like that sounds like shrinkage. When you see walls that are cracking at the corners or cracking above doorways, physically cracking inside the drywall itself, that's usually more of a concern. What you're describing to me sounds a lot more like shrinkage. That said, I would keep an eye on it. I mean, we're coming off of cold months. You have the heating system on. You're going to get a lot of shrinkage then, and you'll get more swelling in, in the summer as it gets more moist and, and humid out. So... You can either keep an eye on it, see what happens, or if you want to get a structural opinion, what I would do is I would suggest that you go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors, that's ASHI, A-S-H-I dot O-R-G, and look for a certified professional home inspector, an ASHI certified inspector in your area. These guys don't work on houses, so they'd have nothing to gain by finding things that need to be fixed. They're just there to diagnose and I, and I would say an ASHI certified inspector because they are clearly the best. In fact, uh, my nephew was buying a house uh, last week, and, and he's in the Air Force in Florida. And I helped him find an ASHI certified inspector there, and I saw the report. And i got to tell you, I said, to, I said to him, I said, do you know what the name of my show is? He goes, Money Pit? I said, you got one. <laughs> because there was so much wrong with it. So um, I would definitely suggest monitoring it and if you wanted to get an opinion on the structural aspects bring in a professional home inspector and and see what uh, they have to say okay all right great i appreciate your time uh, tom and leslie uh enjoy the show all the time thanks very much peter have a great day pam in missouri is on the line with a lighting question how can we help you today i have fluorescent lights in my kitchen and two other rooms and they are recessed into the ceiling they're the kind like you would put maybe into a shop, you know, those three or four yep. foot long tubes, yes. uh-huh. P8 bulbs that I hear are going away. What can I do? So are you having trouble finding the bulbs? Is that what you're concerned about? I am not now, but I hear that they will be not used anymore. Yeah, but they last so darn long. Why don't you just go shop online and buy a case of them and call it a day? <laughs> you know, I mean, really, they're they're yeah, they'll be harder to find. But I mean, they're going to be available. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, industrial uh, folks that use those in offices and that sort of thing. So I would I wouldn't fret too much about that. Listen, if you want to change your lights at some point, then you can plan that project. But I wouldn't tell you to rip out and remove your all your lighting fixtures now just because you're worried about a supply problem i just go pick up a case of these things they last forever 
uh, and then uh, you know put the project off until you're ready to do some real remodeling. I'd rather do that because otherwise I'd have a big hole in the ceiling that would have to be Yeah, packed. exactly. Well, it's a, it's a bigger project for you because they're, they're built in. So you're going to have to take them out. You're going to have to drywall over the holes. It's a big job. So, no, I would just pick up a case of the bulbs and uh, live with it for a while, okay? Great. That's easy for me. Thanks. Yeah, they're not too expensive. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. John in Wisconsin's on the line with a washer-dryer question. Tell us what you're thinking about there. We were thinking of putting a washer and dryer in our spare bedroom, and where we want it is next to an inner wall. And I was wondering if we vented it up through into the attic through the insulation so it would come out on top, would that be damaging to the, to the you know, it would be too much moisture in there or not? Now, would this still remain a guest room, or would this become a new snazzy laundry room? Yeah, it'd be a laundry room. Generally, when you talk about resale value, the amount that you could possibly resell your house for directly correlates to the amount of bedrooms and bathrooms that you have. So... You know, you may want to start by talking with a local realtor who's familiar with, you know, home values in your neighborhood as to what the effect might be to removing a bedroom. Now, if you have no intention to sell and you've got this dream to have just a kick butt gigantic laundry room with, you know, perhaps a sewing area and enough ironing space, you know, then this could be awesome for you guys. Now, in terms of your technical questions, obviously, you're going to have to get hot and cold water there. And you're going to have to get electricity there for your for your washer and your dryer and 240 volt if it's a, if it's electric dryer. Uh, venting was the one question you had. And can you go up through the wall into the attic? Yes, but you can't stop there. You have to continue with that vent, John, until it gets outside. You cannot dump the warm, moist, lint-laden dryer exhaust up into the attic. You've got to take it outside. So what you should do is only use solid metal piping, not flex ducting. Get it up in the attic and turn it 90 degrees and then run it across the floor, so to speak, above the joists and then out the sidewall of the house with a proper dryer vent termination on the outside of it. And you know, the test is when you turn the dryer on, you look outside, you see, you see the flap open up. You really don't want to have any restriction. It's very important you get that lint out because there's a lot of dryer fires that happen because people collect too much uh, lint inside those pipes. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, very good. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. All right, now we've got Lynn in Colorado who's got a tricky, leaky shower. Let's see if we can help her find it. I had a plumber come out once and he said the pipe and the bottom where it comes out of the shower doesn't always hook up right so he siliconed it and it didn't leak but now once in a while it's leaking again of course it's upstairs so i see it on a ceiling and i'm wondering is there some kind of a liner you can put down the pipe like they do for sewage lines that go out you're talking about the supply pipes or you're talking about the shower stall i'm talking about the stall the uh, drain pipe do you have a, is it a tile shower pan or is it a uh, like a plastic shower yeah, it's one of the insert ones. Those pans can develop cracks in them, and you have to figure out where that crack is. One way to try to figure out uh, at least how high on the pan the crack is is if you block the drain of the pan and fill it up with water and see if it leaks. If it doesn't leak, then the pan's fine. The next thing you have to do is move up with your sort of uh, analysis, and now you're going to get into the seams of it. If you've got existing caulk, what I would recommend as a first step is to remove that caulk using caulk softener, and that will allow you to strip out everything that's there and start clean with some new good quality bathroom caulk that's got a mildicide uh, built into it. And I would just caulk very carefully every single seam and also around uh, all the pipes and the faucets and the fixtures where they come through. Because sometimes you get direct leaks where water fills up in the pan and leaks. And a lot of times, though, with showers, you'll get leaks when the water bounces off your body, hits one of those seams, works its way in behind the wall and down. So I would take out the existing caulk, re-caulk it, and check the shower pan for leaks. And somewhere in that analysis, you'll probably figure out what's going on. Okay. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Well, a cluttered home can definitely leave you feeling stressed out, but clearing the deck of clutter is not something that has to have a huge commitment of your time. We've got five clutter-busting tips that can help you take on these projects a little bit at a time, courtesy of the experts at HouseLogic.com. Now, first of all, let's commit to the rule of five. Every time you get up from your desk or walk through a room, Put away five things. Simple as that. Or each hour, devote five minutes to decluttering. And by the end of the day, you're going to have cleaned for an hour. That's pretty good. Absolutely. Next, be ruthless about your kitchen sink. You want to pledge to clear and clean that sink every day. Just takes a couple of seconds more to place a dish in the dishwasher than dump it in the sink. And a clean sink will instantly raise your spirits and decrease your anxiety. All right, here's another one. Put your photos away. Return to yesteryear when only photos of ancestors or weddings earned a spot. You want to put snapshots in a family album, which immediately declutters a lot of surfaces. I do that. I constantly, like, swap out photos that are framed, and sometimes I have, you know, five on one counter, and then sometimes I only make it one. So, you know, got to change things up. Next, unburden your refrigerator door. You know, they're just not designed to hold a 100 photographs or magnets or, or menus or whatever else you've got sort of buckled to it. Uh, unburden that door. Researchers found correlations between the number of items stuck to a fridge door and the amount of clutter throughout the house. So I guess if you've got a cluttered house, you probably have a cluttered fridge door. So you ought to be able to clear that slate as well. And here's one that I use on the kids all the time. Test whether or not you're going to miss it. So take the things that you want to get rid of and, you know, hide them away. Put them in a box. Put them in a bag, whatever, and stash it away for six months, a year. If you don't go looking for it or if the kids don't ask where whatever is, they don't need it. You can get rid of it. It's definitely a good rule of thumb. Yeah, and there's another sort of half step for that that I read about. You could label another box for things that you want to keep but not just look at. You could call that hide. <laughs> put that put that away. At least you know you're not going to throw it out, but at least it's out of sight and maybe out of mind and make things look a lot neater inside your house. Tim in Virginia is dealing with some stuck windows. Tell us what's going on. I run into an issue a lot of times with some of the older homes that I have with the windows. For some reason, they are painted shut uh, or nailed shut. But I'd like to know how I can resolve that, as well as some of these windows being dual-pane windows with condensation already in them. Uh, Next to replacing them, what can I do to resolve that problem? All right, two separate issues. First of all, I presume we're talking about old wood windows being painted shut. Is that correct? That is correct. You're going to need three things. You're going to need a putty knife, a wood block, and a hammer. Here's what you do. First of all, you take the putty knife and you run it in between the wood window sash and the frame all the way around as many places as you can. Wherever you can get that in there, wiggle it in there, that will free it up. And you take the block of wood and from the inside, you put it on top of the sash and you take the hammer and you take a make a quick wrap where you're actually driving the window down as if you're trying to close it more. Do that on both sides, on both ends. And what that quick wrap does is it tends to break the paint seam that's sticking it to the sides. So if you run the putty knife around and you take the block of wood, give it a quick wrap downward, that should free up the bottom sash. A lot of people try to get their hands under the window and like push up. That tends to pull the wood frame of the window apart. But if you give it a shot down, which is somewhat counterintuitive, uh, that works very well. Now, as far as the the windows that you're dealing with that are thermal pane and the seals are failed, can't do anything about that. 
when they're failed, they're failed. And those windows would have to be replaced if you want them to be clear again. Okay, okay. All right. I will certainly um, put that to use uh, probably within the next week or so with the new unit that I just purchased. Thank you so very much. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Joyce in Rhode Island, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have an in-law apartment, and someone who was living there for a while was smoking. And we wanted to do whatever we could to get the smell of the smoke out of the um, apartment. Do you have wall-to-wall carpet in there? There is. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a problem because I'm sure the odor is is into that carpet. So a couple of things you could do. First of all, um, if you're going to paint the apartment, you're going to want to prime all the walls first. Well, first of all, wash them down, then prime them with a good quality primer, then paint them. That will help seal in what's gotten into the walls. As far as the carpet, a good, thorough, deep steam cleaning of that. You may have to go over it a number of times to try to get as much dirt and debris and odor out of that carpet as possible. I mean, the best thing, in, if we have situations where this is a real problem, the carpet's kind of worn, we'll tell people to take it up and prime the subfloor underneath, believe it or not, to make sure we really seal out uh, any of those odors that have soaked into the wood. But if you prime and paint the walls and if you steam clean the carpet, that's probably the best you can do. What about furniture? Is this place furnished? Do you still have the old furniture in there that the smoker uh, lived with? Um, the only furniture that's really in there is a leather um, living room set. Leslie, what do you think about that? Will the smoke odor get into the go through the leather and get into the cushions? You know, leather is such a, a natural surface that it is it porous in its own right, and it depends on what the cushioning is on the inside. You know, you really have to be careful. And, of course, you can't really thoroughly clean leather because of its, you know, inherent natural qualities. You don't want it to stain. Um, you might want to see what those cushions are like on the inside. Take out the inserts. If you can replace those, that could be a huge help. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Mark in West Virginia is on the line with a roofing question. How can we help you today? I was just wondering if I could put a... A metal roof over top a, a shingle roof without removing the shingled roof. Well, you can, but why do you want to do that, Mark? It's kind of sloppy. I, I just, I've never worked with metal. And I didn't know if, you know, if you could do it that way. Because you can shingle over, I know, you know, asphalt shingles, you could put another a layer over top of it. Just getting rid of them, the, the hassle getting rid of them at a landfill. Technically, you can, but I, I just think it's going to be a neater, cleaner, more professional job if you take off the asphalt shingles and they're not that hard to remove. Yeah, and and you know, you don't know how many layers are underneath your existing roof. Plus, I mean, 
I don't know really, but I'm imagining that a metal roof is going to have some weight to it. And, you know, why put that extra stress on the structure? And it's a lifetime roof. You know, you're looking at 50 years on a metal roof. So how about cutting it? Any special tools? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I mean, it's all done with shears. And yeah. you can, you know, you can use hand shears and you can use power shears. But, you know, when you work with that stuff all the time, you have the tools that you need to do that. But uh, that's what you're going to have to cut it with. Well, hey, well, thanks. Thank you for the info, and I, I appreciate it. Amy and I was on the line with a question about a dirt basement. Tell us what's going on. Hi. Um, I recently had purchased an old farmhouse, and in the basement it has a, a dirt floor. And I was wondering if I should lay concrete on it or if I could lay that thick plastic and put gravel on top to help with the radon and try to keep some of the heat in there. Do you know that you have a radon problem? Well, I don't. Um, they talk about it in Iowa being an issue. And with it being a dirt floor, I didn't know if that was something I should have tested first or go ahead and just lay the plastic in the rock and be... I, I would definitely test because you don't know what you're dealing with. You may have to put stone down and then put a concrete floor and then do a ventilation system where you draw the gas up off from underneath the concrete so the first thing you have to do is test so do it yourself or hire somebody and do it right you know the testing has to be done under closed building conditions with all the windows and doors closed except for a normal exit and entry and find out what you're dealing with and then uh, then you know you could take the appropriate steps after that but uh, don't just put it down you know thinking that if you have a rate on problem it's going to solve it because frankly it may not okay All right. Well, thank you so much for your help. Well, as the saying goes, the early bird gets the worm, and that holds true for spring landscaping projects, too. We're going to help you get ready right now in today's Home Solution Tip, presented by Angie. That's right. If you wait until the warm weather is here, you're not going to be able to achieve all of your dream goals for your outdoor spaces. Starting now by picking your materials and your team will set you on that road to success. Now, first up, remember that researching and planning has to be done first, and early spring is the best time to do just that. So start looking into plants you're interested in and think about trouble spots in your yard that you'd like to improve. All right. Second, you've got to build your team. Don't wait until the busy season to start talking with a contractor. They get busy in the spring as well. So get them while they've got the time to work with you and book your project early. And third, once you've done your early planning, it's smart to line up all the landscaping products you need. So head on out to your local garden store or nursery early for the best selections and order materials early so they have time to be delivered. You're going to find these and other great tips to make your spring landscaping project a success in the Solution Center at Angie.com. And that's today's Home Solution Tip presented by Angie. When it comes to home projects, they know you want to nail it every time. And Angie does that heavy lifting for you with top pros who get the job done right. Download the Angie app today. Scott in Michigan is on the line with a garage door that just loves to stay frozen shut. Tell us what's going on. Uh, we have uh, half of our basement is our garage. Uh, so on three sides, there's two sides of dirt. One side is the house, and then above is the house. Uh, cars, we park two cars in there in the winter. Snow melts off the cars, ends up uh, freezing the doors to the ground. Uh, so they end up salting and you know getting ice gone and having to shovel it back out. What kind of a seal do you have on the bottom of the garage doors? They are old-school wood doors, so they just have, like, a rubber seal on the bottom, uh, nothing fancy. But the, since there's no center drain, it's sloped for the water to drain out the front of the doors. Uh, have you thought about replacing those rubber gaskets? Uh, yep, and we're actually, that's what we're kind of at the thing where we need to replace the doors because they're getting in worse shape every year. 
but we don't want to put the money into the doors if we're just going to, you know, put new seals on it. We're just going to hold the water inside then. Well, I mean, rubber gaskets um, are designed not to stick to ice, so that might solve part of the problem here. And if you're thinking about new doors, just replacing the gaskets, if you want to buy yourself a year, a year or so, is not going to add to a, a big expense. You know, we're talking about probably $20, $30 in gasket material here, and you can do the job yourself. But do you think that would just hold the water inside, and then it would just be an ice dam inside and freeze? No, it's not that much of a gasket. It, it'll it'll let the water run wherever the water runs, wants to run. It's just I don't think that doors will stick to it as well. But how is the water? I guess how is it going to get outside? If the water is just sitting there, you're gonna you're there's gonna be no way for you to drain it and have it run outside. One thing that you could do is you could you could add garage tiles to the floor. Garage tiles are a floor made specifically for garages that. Uh, sit up about a half inch or so off of the floor or three-quarters inch off of the floor. And those are good because the water will drain through the tiles and kind of sit below them until it evaporates away. There's a lot of different styles and colors online, and they can actually be quite attractive and look kind of cool as well. Okay. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ellie in Florida, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I just recently moved to Florida and um, the house I bought... Um, the water softener is broken because I believe it's because they had it outside the home. Every other house in my community has them in the garage. And mine, they, for some reason, the water line is on the opposite side of the house in the garage. So it would be, I believe it would be a major thing to have the water line brought from one side of the house to, to the other so I could have it inside. And um, Sears tells me that um, I can have it put outside, but you have to have some kind of protective covering. Lowe's tells me that they don't sell any that go outdoors. And a private um, plumbing company is telling me that uh, they have one that sells the, to put outside specifically. And other people are saying you don't even need one to go, don't even bother the expense. So I don't know what to do. So... First of all, the question is, do you need a water softener or not? Right. I mean, I, I would looked online, and, you know, I see the pros and cons. Right. Well, I mean, if, you have, if you're accustomed to a water softener and you eliminate it, you may find that you don't like that experience. You certainly could bypass the water softener just to see if you like the water. Is the water city water? Well, it's not well water, so does that mean it is city water? I don't know. Yeah, it's city water. If it's city water, you probably do not need a water softener. Well, I was I think, no, you know, I don't think it is city water because people in Ocala, I think they told me that they that they don't need it. They have city water. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But everybody in this development says you need it. Ellie, the first thing you want to do is figure out if you've got city water if you do, it's going to be treated. If you've got well water, then you do need probably a water conditioner as well as to have the water tested to make sure that it's safe. And that's something that should be doing, done on an occasional basis. <clears throat> now, um, in terms of the enclosures, given the fact that you're in Florida and we're not concerned about freezing pipes, 
I wouldn't be too concerned about putting it outside. I wouldn't want to have it uh, enclosed. Now, how do you do that? Well, you either use one that's rated to be outside, and perhaps you're the water treatment company, the, the plumbing company has one that, that has such a certification. It's designed for interior or exterior use, and that's fine. And if not, you're going to have to construct something or have something constructed or um, perhaps pick up a small shed or something of that nature where the equipment could be protected uh, from the weather. But I think the first thing you need to do is determine whether or not you need it and determine the what kind of water supply you have. If it's well water, get it tested. You can even have the hardness tested. You'll know exactly what you're dealing with. And if it's city water, then I think you could try bypassing the system you have right now and see if you like it. I hope that helps you out. Ellie, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, after a long, cold, wet winter, spring is the perfect time to check your home's exterior for damage. But how do you tell the difference between wood that's rotted and wood that's been damaged by insects? Either way, the wood's got to be repaired, but if insects are the attacker of that wood, you're also going to need to call on a pest professional to make sure that they don't come back. Now, if the wood is rotted, it's going to look spongy, almost like cork. But if the wood's been attacked by wood-destroying insects, that damage is going to have a definite pattern to it. So think about the rings of a tree, right? You have the thin rings, and those are the hard, slow winter growth. And then you get the thick rings, which are the soft, fast summer growth. Now, both carpenter ants and termites will eat that soft summer growth and then leave that thin winter growth alone. So it'll be definitely a very distinct pattern in the type of damage. Plus, termites will also leave some mud or sand behind because they use that sand to build tunnels that help keep them protected while they go about munching away. It helps keep them moist and protected from the sun. Oh, isn't that lovely? Thank you so much, termites. (laughs) It's their outside coat. Here's one more tip when it comes to wood rot damage. Many people refer to this as dry rot, but that's really a misnomer. Dry rot is nothing more than rotted wood that has dried out. So rot needs moisture to develop, and besides the repair, you're going to need to protect that wood with a proper finish to keep it from happening again and, well, again and again. All right, now we've got Jim on the line from Ohio who's dealing with a high water table. Hi, our sump pump runs like crazy, and we've tried to, uh, you know, make sure that the drainage is a little far away from the foundation. Um, we were going so far as to get the basin sealed, waterproofed, all that stuff, which I think we wasted our money on. But nonetheless, sump pump runs like crazy. All the other things that have been addressed, it's just, and everybody says around here, it is a huge hugely high water table, if that makes sense. So does your basement leak more after hard rain? Nope. So the rainfall is consistent? Right. So this could be the unique situation where you really truly do have a high water table. If you get basement leakage and precipitation that is worse after snowmelt or rainfall, then it's almost always gutter problems or problems with drainage, uh, you know, angle of the grade, that sort of thing. Right, right. As a matter of fact, we, we took your advice from past shows and I had all that stuff addressed uh, because it is such a common issue, but this is the oddball. You know, leave it to us to have the oddball. If you truly do have a high water table and you have a subsurface drainage system in below the floor of the basement, then that's pretty much all that you really can or should be doing right now. Is the water evidencing itself in some way? Is it coming up beyond the floor? No, no, no. It stays in, in the sump well. But my, I know my pump's not going to last forever. We go through, we've gone through seven or eight of them in 12 years. Take a look at the pumps that are made by Wayne, the Wayne uh, Pump Company. They make really good pumps that, in fact, they have pumps that are auto-reversing so that if they do get clogged, that they will reverse themselves to kind of spit out the clog and then come back on again. Oh, okay. Awesome. You guys rock. 
Miriam's posting a question this week that says, I need to know how to stain new cedar white or maybe even a light gray. Can you help? Now, with new cedar, I mean, generally with any sort of unfinished wood, you've got to give it time to cure. But I imagine with the siding, it kind of goes up ready to be finished. Right, Tom? Well, if you buy it that way, you know, from the factory. Oh, interesting. You could, Actually, you could probably order it primed, which would be really smart. Because if I was putting up wood siding, I would definitely want to make sure that it was primed on all, on all sides before I put it up. Because that's really going to help yeah. uh, preserve it, you know, because you're never going to be able to get to that backside again. And, and I've seen projects where folks have not primed backsides, and you can see where the paint failed there first. Uh, and, I mean, it's so important to get to the backside of it, and you just can't once it's on the house. Because if that starts to rot out or decompose or anything on the backside, which eventually it will, it's just going to happen there first. So now, say your siding's ready to go with a stain. If you're going for a white or a light gray, that seems to me like you're looking for a pretty solid color. So you're going to want to go with a solid stain, which just means it's like super pigmented. So when you put it on, it sort of permeates into the wood and really covers it and really gives it a deep pigmentation. And Tom, actually, you always recommend a primer, which I always think is interesting because when I think of primer, I strictly think of for paint usage. I've never thought about it for a staining. No, I think it's smart to prime it because cedar especially um, has sort of a tannin in it, which is like an oil. And if you prime it, it seals it in, which is good. And you'll get better adhesion. And frankly, the stain will last a lot longer if you prime it first. Um, If you're not doing white or light color like that, you can actually tint the primer to match the color of the stain, which will make the coverage uh, even greater. All right, Miriam, good luck with what seems like brand new siding on your awesome house. All right, next up, we've got a post from Robbie who writes, I don't think the attic fan has stopped running since I bought my house last year. (laughs) I adjusted the temperature to 110. It was at 60, but this fan also has a humidistat and it just still keeps running. Huh. That's kind of odd. Um... I can't imagine why the fan has a humidity control because it's not like you can effectively pull the humidity out of the house that way. Which is probably why it keeps running. Yeah. It could also be dangerous because if that fan came on during the heating season, which it could because think of a cold, damp day, it would still be humid. It could actually depressurize the house and then draw combustion gas from the furnace into the house instead of letting it go up the chimney which could be super dangerous. So my advice would be to disconnect it. And here's why, because attic fans are seldom the most efficient way to vent an attic. They will pull air not only from the attic, but also from your house where they're going to steal air conditioning or in your case, heated air. So it's going to be expensive to run. I would recommend that you replace it with a continuous ridge and soffit ventilation system. That's something when properly installed, it pretty much runs 24 seven. It's going to take heat and moisture out. Uh, in the summer and, of course, also take out the humidity and that cold damp uh, in the winter. So you're much better off without it. All right, Robbie, I hope that helps you out because something running constantly like that, first of all, is going to cost you a ton of money, but is absolutely unnecessary. So good luck with your new house. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hope you guys are enjoying the spring day where you are in the country. If you've got questions on spring home improvement projects, you'd like to get done inside or out, remember, you can reach us 24-7. Best way to do that is by going to moneypit.com slash ask and downloading the Money Pit app. That's the fastest way to get the questions to us, and we will get you the answers just as quickly. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
Money Pit.